Welcome to Evolving Door, the podcast where I interview guests about the moments in their lives that have really moved them forwards, where they had a significant shift in their thinking, their awareness, and their understanding about life in all its various aspects. Join me and expect to be enlivened, enriched, and inspired on your personal journey of evolution. Welcome back, everybody, to part two of Genevieve Harrison's interview. If you're coming to this one and you've clicked on it and you haven't heard part one, make sure you listen to part one, too. Make sure you also listen to the trailer. Uh, It'll give you a real context for this part two of the interview. We talk about what led to her, in her own words, being a real goody two-shoes, purposefully actually missing a flight. Um, Also, she shares about sometimes it takes a really long time to look at yourself and to look back at a big decision and go, actually, I think it was the right decision. She also shares the power of friends believing in you and helping you to really make a go of your dreams. And ultimately, where she finally comes to a point where she can actually own the identity of being an artist and a musician. It's a great uh, second part of the interview. Please join me now and let's dive straight back in. So I think at a certain point I thought, uh, I, I don't know if I should do this anymore. I think maybe I, maybe now you know I sort of had my, my fun time, and maybe I should go back to doing, a, a, a real job. <laughs> so, Conform. Yeah, I, I, I went home to England, and, I, um, I'd, I'd been, I'd been writing freelance since I graduated, actually, even throughout this time, and I'd sort of been writing for a few arts magazines and I would do um, interviews with different artists or musicians and also sort of reviewing concerts and things like that. Um, so I'd sort of kept that going in the background and one of the, the magazines that I was writing for, they they made an offer to me to, to become the editor. I think they were sort of, they wanted to sort of groom a young person to kind of take, take this up. And so it was quite a big offer um, at the time for me and and I thought wow an editor yeah that's you know that sounds really good yeah. <laughs> that's a real job professional yeah <laughs> I can tell people I'm an editor not I'm not just this sort of fly-by-night musician um, which actually to be honest I wasn't think I think that was part of the problem I wasn't thinking of myself as a musician because every time someone would say what do you do I couldn't say musician because I thought well I didn't study music at university I'm not a musician I'm not qualified and so I felt that I almost didn't have a thing that I could say when someone said, what do you do? And, and so, yeah, I, I, I was very grateful for this offer of, of the job and I accepted. And before I, before I was due to take it on, I, I went to do the last few events in the States. And I think I just had this deep realization whilst I was doing that, that this is really, I, I could say it was a calling now because perhaps you can see what happened next. But at the time, I didn't know if it was a calling. I, I didn't really know what it was. I just felt, I felt I had to, I just had to continue. And uh, I did. Or maybe, or maybe you didn't want to give it up. Even if you didn't know where it would lead, you just didn't I want didn't to want finally. To I didn't want to give it up. That was the thing. I didn't want to give it up. And I actually did probably, you know, I've always been a, a little bit of a goody two shoes in my childhood because I didn't I like to do things properly. And I, I did what I thought was the most daring thing that I'd ever done, which was, which was intentionally miss a flight um, because I was wow. to catch the flight back to London and I was going back to start this job and they were expecting me. And the day of my flight, I just felt this inner turmoil and I was thinking, I, I just can't, I can't give up this, this aspect of my life. It's been so meaningful to me and I, what am I actually trying to do here? And I just, it was like down to the last 20 minutes before I had to leave. And I just decided um, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to stay here. And that was. That Tell was me, a- were, you, were, were you in an apartment? Like describe the scene for us. <laughs> I went, so I'd, I'd, I think I'd been staying for a little time at a temple in New York. They had an ashram there and I was sort of in the interim. I was passing through. And so. I was seeing some friends beforehand and I went back to the temple to collect my bags that I'd already packed. 
and I got back to the temple and it's a it's a it's a big building six story building and so there's this big staircase and I got my bag out into the hallway and I was sitting on the staircase and I was just thinking I just I just had this feeling and it was like, I didn't even recognize myself. I'm like, what are you talking about? You have to get on the flight. You know, you don't do stuff like that. Miss flights. <laughs> it's not allowed, you know? Um, and, and I talked to, I talked to a few people, but I think it was, it was a, it was a rare time in my life where I didn't really have the opportunity to consult many people to kind of validate what I was feeling. Cause it was sort of like that it was down to the wire. Like I had to leave for the airport and I just, I just made the decision and it was very exhilarating, but it was, um, it was certainly a bomb to drop on, you know, on my family, on my friends back in England, on, on the, the, my future employers, uh, to say, I'm not coming back. And, and at the time there was really the sense of fear. I think so many people will identify with this when you, you make a dramatic turn and do something that people don't expect. And then you almost have to, you have to justify and then you have to sort of prove that the decision you made was the right one um, in order for people to accept it because otherwise everyone's just looking at you saying, yeah, that was a really dumb thing to do. You know? <laughs> so did you feel, it's a very interesting point. I mean, first of all, I, I knowing you a little or anyone as you describe yourself uh, who, and even you've mentioned it so many times about like, um, it's not legit unless the society, the the people who draw the lines uh, say that it's okay, you know, yeah. because it, it, you know, whether it's uh, acknowledged through university, or whatever. So that's a really big step to actually not go. So, and, and also to make that decision yourself, you must have felt super empowered on one side, but also, as you say, um, now I understand, I think when you said, I doubt myself every day since, because it's kind of like at every moment, it's like, everything ahead of you all the possibilities are open but at the same time not knowing for sure what's going to happen absolutely i mean it felt exhilarating in the moment it certainly did and i felt this this giddiness you know maybe that's like more people you know go out and do something their parents are not going to approve of that kind of feeling but i didn't do that stuff when i was a teenager i was pretty good girl <laughs> so it was like oh my god i know i'm going to be in trouble and um it was exciting, but the next morning I woke up and I was like, wow, so what is this decision that I've made? And I realized that I actually had no idea how this was supposed to look. The day to day. The day to day, yeah. yeah. I, just, I just had this sense that something that I've been pursuing, it's not the time to give up on it. And, um, and, I, and so I didn't. And for, for the next couple of years, I continued doing things, but there was long periods of pretty pretty deep self-doubt, frankly. It was really, um, I was really vacillating between thinking I, I, that was a really silly thing to do and I should go home and, and get a real job if I even can still get a real job now that everyone thinks I'm just so irresponsible and all <laughs> of that. Um, and feeling, and then feeling inspired and empowered by the experiences that were manifesting for me and the opportunities that were unfolding. Um, and it's, I, I think, I think it's the case for anyone who takes a turn that you do spend, it depends how long it takes for people to, to look at you and say, or for you to look at yourself and say, okay, that was the right decision. And sometimes it takes a really long time. And, um, definitely, you know, when I would go home and spend periods back, back in England, people would often say things to the effect of, you know, you should really, you should, you should really figure out your life. You should really figure out what, what you're really going to do. And, um, you know, or, or, or like some people that I knew, different sort of people that considered themselves like aunties and uncles in my life that, you know, oh, well, I wouldn't let my daughter do that. And, you know, <laughs> and so I'd feel kind of definitely judged and disapproved, disapproval and, um, that was a lot for me to stomach for someone that always wanted to do the right thing. And to be appreciated for doing the right thing, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think we all want appreciation, but I think it's part of, part of the artistic nature is to want to be seen and understood and un understood for the intentions that you're, you're bringing to something. Um, yeah. 
and 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 to be seen in the light that you know is favorable and and all of those things were not quite in alignment and it it felt uncomfortable for quite a long time yeah well yeah. fast forward for quite some years now you've been doing these um i think it's pause for thought uh, uh sharing ideas about i guess meaning in life in relation to the issues in society on radio bbc radio 4 which is yeah. proper proper legit <laughs> yeah it's an institution uh which is very respected and also you know recently was at the shaw theater you headlined your own show uh in london sellout show I, I unfortunately i wasn't able to go but i saw some clips of it online and stuff and um i have to say um genuinely it was um it was glorious you know it oh. was celebratory it was beautiful it was um and it had uh, a real like i say celebratory aspect to it and i wanted to ask you because you are a kind of you have been or you've shared about being a reluctant front person or dare i say it sort of star yeah. and um i think you know when i've been gone to kirtans you know whether they're in people's houses or sometimes at the temple sometimes they can be a bit stoic and a bit miserable like they're so <laughs> serious you know they're so kind of people are like you come in and people don't acknowledge you or say hello or anything mm -hmm. so you really have captured in that show um something which felt very wholesome and and you know um authentic but really was like joyous and i just wondered if um you could share some thoughts on because uh, i've heard you speak before about you kindly f you came to embrace that role or that position that was very uncomfortable for a long time could you just tell a little bit about that yeah um that in itself has been a journey for me and uh it was only over the years that i started to started to sing and people would ask me to to sing or to lead lead the kirtan and again you know i, I felt like uh, I'm not a real kirtan leader. <laughs> no one's taught me how to do it, and I, I don't. I never had singing lessons, and all these things, you know, these ideas you have in your head. Mm. Um, but I found that I love. I mean, I, I always knew I loved to sing. I just wasn't used to singing really in front of people, and um, I gradually became comfortable with it, and then found that it was something that I loved to do, and it started to take over as as the main thing that I would do over time. Generally, I was always more comfortable being in a supportive role, and I'd sort of groomed myself with playing violin in that way. You know, it's a sort of playing accompaniment and support, and this thing about listening, really being fine-tuned to listen, how to how to best support musically what the leader was doing. So I was in a place yet again, a sort of turning point about a year and a half ago, where I felt like, well, it's sort of coming to the end of a decade that I've been doing this, and maybe now it's time to get a real job because <laughs> i'd released an album about five years ago and it became really popular much to my surprise again because it wasn't something that i i really was envisioning to to work out like that and so some friends were saying you know you should really give it a big push and put your music out there farther in the world and i was like no that's not me and i was saying that for so many years and then um they just said, look, we'll help you. And, and this, is a, this is a vision. Why don't you just try it? So I said, well, I'll try it for three months. And let's just, if I don't like it, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. See what happens. Yeah, yeah. see what happens. Because I thought, look, you know, I, I'd come into another decade of my life, the 30s. And, I, and I, I'm finding with the 30s that one of the things to reconcile with, which anyone that's gone through their 30s <laughs> will know, is that you suddenly have to acknowledge that actually the years are passing by and you know your youth as you sort of experienced it is it's not that it's, it's not that you're not still youthful but you know you 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 start to change there's a clock you, there's a sort of a clock yeah, yeah and mm. you start to hear the clock so it's like yeah. i was thinking actually yeah why not you know if i if i don't ever do this maybe i'll be 40 or 50 and saying i should have just tried it you know and you never know yeah. it could have been good so I, I agreed to try it. And so the London show that, that you, you're referring to, that was, um, that was the first one. No, sorry, we did Moscow first. We did London. We did a smaller event in LA with the same team and we did New York. Wow. And um, all, all in a sort of three month period. And 
that was an experience that I expected to, 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 to really dislike and find that it would feel very uncomfortable and strange for me. Mm. And I found, I wouldn't say the opposite because there's definitely discomfort in putting on a show. And again, it's this navigation between um, sort of purity of a practice and, and perform the performance space. But I found that in doing it, that I had, that I'd grown up, that I felt more at ease within myself to hold that tension and to be comfortable with the idea that when you come in front of people, not everyone's going to appreciate you, not everyone's going to understand you, not everyone's going to, um, not everyone's going to receive something in the way that you want them to. But that's part of the surrender of, you know, sharing anything and I felt more comfortable with that than I ever have and I said I, th I think part of the celebratory aspect of it was a celebration to actually feel um, joyous about sharing something that means a lot to me and and that is the this the synthesis of the traditional aspect of this you know of this practice of kirtan sort of co this call and response chanting but also bringing in my love for music of different genres of music and of sort of crafting a a narrative a narrative experience through the show because that was an important part that the you know the sequencing of the pieces and the the meaning and explanation of bit of of them would guide people on a, a bit of a journey and uh that for me was you know I, as you say i've been doing the radio things I've been writing for many years. And so to bring together all these elements was uh, extremely rewarding and um, very humbling, actually. I, I felt so humbled by the, by the experience. Did you feel uh, like it was a sort of a combination of all those things, a sort of, a sort of an arrival, if you will? Not so much just externally, but kind of almost within yourself. And then the show is just an expression of that. Would that be fair to say or...? It, did. It, mm. it certainly felt to me from the outset that you had grown into it and yeah. you it was almost like the the fruit of all of those years of you know all the different aspects that we've discussed kind of really fructifying there in in, in a in a moment if you like that's what it felt like yeah it felt um so the word arrival in a way implies that that it was a goal that i wanted to arrive at and i would say i i I didn't want I didn't want it and I wasn't seeking it so it was sort of a strange it, it did feel like a kind of arrival but not in a way that I expected because I, I thought well this wasn't my dream to to you know sort of have this 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 concert presentation but then as I look back at all the things that I loved to do the things that I had pursued um, the things that filled me with joy I realized well actually this this is a culmination uh, or, or a culmination so far of all these things. And it actually um, was an experience for me of, of finally owning the, the identity of being an artist and a musician. It's something that I, I haven't been able to accept for a long time <laughs> or ever. And that seems weird, but it, it's, even though those are the things that I was doing, but I, in accepting it, I found a freedom to actually express and say, oh, this is how I want to curate this. This is what I think will be beautiful. And this is what I want to share. And that was um, a very freeing and joyful experience. Yeah, that's beautiful. I guess that's what I kind of meant, rather than it being an arrival as an external validation, but an arrival yeah. within yourself. Yeah. yeah. For you, just purely for you. Yeah. But but an une again, it's it was just unexpected. I didn't expect to feel that way, and and um, it, it, even until the last show that we did, because the first one I was extremely nervous, and then the others, um, yeah, they they all went really well. But I was I was just sort of doubtful till till the end, and then remember the last one in New York. Um, I had been I had been living in New York at that point for uh, a couple of years, and it and it happened sort of at the culmination of a period, long chunk of time there, and so um, it just so happened that the concert venue was very close to where I'd been living in the same neighborhood, 
so there was this sense of both having matured and um, just doing something that I never, I never thought that I would do. I mean, I really, and, and you know, people that have known me since childhood, they also marvel because they always say, you know, you were so shy. Like, what, what happened? You, you, you were just blush just at anyone just saying your name. And, you know, that I was very shy. And, and so for me to look back on myself and all these years of um, criticism and doubt, self-criticism, and uh, just to feel that it can be, I like that word you use of celebrate celebratory that it can be so celebratory to just offer something from the heart with it with a bit of a sense of detachment i think that's a, that's an important lesson for an artist is that that detachment and i think the detachment was because i i had this feeling that well this wasn't something that i was um it wasn't something i expected for myself so i there was a sense of detachment that i could just experience it and you know yeah well, something very interesting you mentioned, <clears throat> because I think, um, so it sort of touches on this point of the idea of mentors or people supporting you, because you actually, you said, some friends or some people around you said, we want to help you, let's try this. If yeah. they hadn't have done that. So I think sometimes from as a creative artistic person, if you're the only one pushing it <laughs> and it's you pushing it all the time, yeah. then all of those doubts really can come in a lot. Whereas when somebody external, you know, well-wisher or supporter or a mentor or whatever, um, it kind of like, oh, really? So you, you think it's it, it, we could try it? And it's it's somebody other than you. So how important was that? Do you think you ever would have done it without that those people coming and saying, let's let's try it? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. That was so that's a blessing, isn't it? That was a huge. It was a blessing. I didn't. I didn't know if it was a blessing at the time. I was like, well, I don't know about this, but there were people that I, I respected and trusted as friends, and they happened to be professionally, you know, having backgrounds in in various aspects of of man management, consultation, finance, and so I I thought, well, you know, that's not my that's not my world. That's not my background. So let me trust that we could at least experiment and, and mm. see how this works to, to have a, you know, a synergy collaboration. And it's, that in itself has been extremely humbling because you really see that the artist is only one part of this mm. um, aspect of offering something to the world that all those other parts are equally required and equally important. And, and therefore it's a, it's a sort of humility that you can understand that you know even in a even in a, a a team of people often it really helps to have a leader to have a a figurehead and people will gather around that person or in a band somebody leads the band but if you took away any of the other components including the manager including the people that do the sound setup the thing just wouldn't happen so it's 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 a humbling thing to see that it takes all of those diverse um, uh, roles and elements in order to manifest something. And it's it's really interesting too, because I think, as you, you mentioned earlier, with social media and everything, often we're trying to manage um, all of our feelings, often by ourselves, mm. you know, so we can have influences or inputs that we bring in to help us but a lot of times and it can be very exposing and so that's why traditionally the artist or the musician always has the agent or the manager because yeah. the the people can set you know be having a big argument and saying anything they like about the artist but the manager or the agent shields the 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 agent from or the sorry the musician from that or the artist and they say how did it go and they'll just tell you the bits that you need to hear <laughs> or they can fight a much harder bargain on your behalf whereas you would never do that on your own behalf right. so it's a very interesting dynamic that said fascinating fascinating but that said when we have to then deal with our own lives mm. you like you know our own personal experience that's a challenging thing because wouldn't it be great if we had all of those different aspects within ourselves but we don't so we're we can often feel quite exposed because especially as you say through social media immediately those people whoever they are there is no shield they're coming straight to us yeah. so but tell us about how it felt on the inside like even you know you're up there on the stage and everything and it's brilliant and everything else but um share with us a little bit about how even in such success perhaps 
you know, do you suddenly feel completely confident or are there two sides to it? I think there's a, there's a, um, there's a confidence that one feels as you, as you do something that you're aware that you have, you have a competence for, like I, I, especially, you know, by this point, okay, I know I can play the violin. I know I can sing. I know I can, we've rehearsed this. I know that we can present these pieces and, and um, I know that I can have some dialogue with the audience and, and explain things. So there's a certain sense of confidence there. Um, but as to the confidence of, is this valuable to the world? Is this an ego trip? Is this something that people are gonna receive and, and find some meaning in, in their heart? Um, that is, there's always doubt around that uh, because I don't, um, I don't, I don't feel a sense of assurance about that. I believe that what I'm sharing, um, because it's not sort of just my ideas, it's something that's from a spiritual, an authentic spiritual tradition, and it's very precious and it's mm -hmm. impacted my life. So I believe that it's valuable, but I, but I don't know if I'm the person to be, to be the one to share it. You know, am I going to be? Uh, a, a good vessel for for this. Um, there's always a doubt there. So I'd say what it felt like on the inside was, you know, plugging into that um, conscious confidence of, of of what the skills that I've gained over the years, and then really it's a, for me it's a state of prayer. Um, I try to have that prayer internally, and uh, you may I I may. Um, articulate that prayer in different ways, but a way that I've been I've been liking to to think of it lately is this this first line of um, this famous prayer of Saint Francis: "Make me a channel of your peace." Mm. That I I want I want to I want to use my life in a meaningful way that serves others, and this is these are the skills I've got. This is how I can serve, and. I want someone else's life to be meaningfully touched by this experience, but I don't think that that's within my power. It's not within my power to give somebody a spiritual experience. I can facilitate, I can create the nice environment for it, I can sing, but really that, as far as you know, I understand and experience it, that's a, that's a, a divine power. Um, and, and so there's, yeah, it's it's really trying to maintain a state of sincerity and prayer, mm. and 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 then and then you just hold on, <laughs> hold try on. try and let life. try and let go of the result, isn't it? It's yeah. it's hard though. Sometimes we, you know, we have like three hundred people saying all lovely things, and one person says something not so nice, and um, yeah. I guess to the degree that we're still, you know, we still feel it sometimes, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a constant navigation of the, of the ego, and um, I, 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 it's a, it's a humbling thing because all you can do is be honest about where you're at. So if somebody says something that's not particularly complimentary, mm. um, I can just say honestly say, "Wow, that that pinches me a bit," or "That oh, that actually makes me feel yeah. sad," or whatever it is. But then I have to, you know, go through the cycle of then remembering that. All right, well. I just have to keep going. This, if if it is service, you know, it, it's said that the, that the greatest um, definition of service or the greatest manifestation of service is that it's it's uninterrupted, that it's not it's not interrupted by circumstance. You don't say, oh, I don't feel like changing the baby's nappy today, so I'm just not going to do it. It's it's service. It's 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 motivated by love, and so even if you feel you're having a bad day, you still have you still do it. Mm. So, there's a great freedom in that, isn't it? If we can lean into that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd just like to ask you, you know, you had um, a mentor. Uh, I got to meet her once, Yumuna, who was yeah. uh, a great um, student of um, Bhakti Yoga uh, in our tradition. And, you know, you mentioned at a certain point in your maybe early 20s, you were starting to embrace a personal practice. So I guess as someone who grew up uh, around uh, these things, was there a period where you kind of, let's say, fell away from it a bit or kind of maybe rebelled against it a little bit and then re-embraced it? I'm particularly interested in what led to you re-embracing it and how 
how you did that because I think um, once you kind of, not that you've lost faith, but if you move away from faith, uh, sometimes the second time around, if you're lucky enough to get it, it, it it's because it's more real. Mm. It's not just because um, you, cause you're sort of supposed to do it or because other people are doing it or whatever. And I, I feel from you the way you share uh, and the way you embody what you're doing is that you, it feels like you've, you, it's, it's real f- for you. Um, and I, um, I, I dare to say that that is a little bit uncommon. You know, I think sometimes it's easy to do things, uh, as the Americans say, by route. <laughs> yeah. But um, so tell me a little bit about maybe what it was that, you know, brought you back to your practice and what made it kind of real and personal. Well, I would say that, you know, I've already I've already characterized myself as a goody two shoes as a child. <laughs> and um, I don't think it was just being a goody two shoes. I think there were certain things that I just I just felt were already decided within me. For instance, I didn't feel I didn't feel attracted to experiment with like drugs and alcohol as a teenager, um, whereas some of my friends, many of my friends did. And it wasn't that I was feeling I was suppressing a desire to do that. I genuinely just didn't feel, I didn't feel I wanted to. So there were a certain amount of rebellion that was just, you know, outward rebellion that was just off the table because I wasn't interested. Um, that said, I definitely had an internal questioning of, of, of faith. And my parents were, my parents are very broad-minded and they always encouraged us to really question and uh, and doubt. And um, my father particularly was very um, actively interested in studying other religious traditions. And so we, we, I always felt that we could have conversations about it. And, and um, really, I, I knew that we, we would even talk about it. I knew that if I also wanted to just pursue some other path or explore it, that there wouldn't be a heavy judgment or anything. Um, but it just so happened that I, um, I mean, I think it's not as important to, to locate it in the timeline of what I've talked about previously, but, but it, I'll say it was sort of pre-university time, it was about 17. Um, and I, I met, it was, I, I met uh, Yamuna Devi, as she's, as she's called, um, I met her as a child, uh, but um, this was sort of like a chance meeting. Um, I, my mom and I were in Canada where she now lived. I met her as a child in England. And I just got a chance to interact with her and um, her companion, Dina Tarine, for about 24 hours, really. Um, we went to stay with them overnight. And they lived in a, in a valley up in the Rocky Mountains. And they had built this beautiful um, straw bale house with a traditional like cob um, clay floor. And it was just a really exquisite place where they lived in this very, um, very dedicated, very deeply focused um, spiritual way. And, and uh, it was in a very remote but idyllic kind of setting. And I, I, I was at a point where I was... I wouldn't say I was having strong doubts sort of on a very refined philosophical level or something. I was just, I think I was just wondering how am I going to practice this in my life? Am I going to, or just mm. wondering, you know, and, and, and when I met, when I met them and specifically, I think, I, I don't want to say that they both didn't impact me um, very deeply, but I think particularly because I, I saw something of my, I don't know which is the right way to say it. I saw myself in her or something. I know what it, you mean. Yeah. You, you could, you could connect. Yeah. She's an artist and she, and she, she was an artist of many mediums. And so that was inspiring to me. Um, it was like, you know, when you, you, as a child, you, you look up to someone, you idolize them and you think I would, I want to be just like that. So mm-hmm. I looked at her and, in the time we spent with her, which was so brief, I just felt this this profound experience of love on a very deep level, of acceptance, of purity of her own practice, um, 
of, of a depth of wisdom and realization. And um, it was like, you know, when you meet someone and you're like, wow, they've, they've got the real, they've got the real thing. Like that's the thing, <laughs> whatever it is, you just feel that is some, there's something profound here. And, and when we were driving away, I, I can't remember if I said it to my mom or if I just thought it, but I was like, I, I want to experience that. I want to know what that is or what, what is it that she has, how has she come to be that kind of person? I want to understand how I could be like that. Um, not that I ever thought I could be like that and not that I think I ever will be, but it, but it was like, even if I could just be a little bit of what, of what she was. Yeah. And, and and so and so I, I made the point over the next over the next seven years, they were so extremely kind and generous to um, agree to, to keep correspondence with me. And I went and stayed with them a few times as well. And those times were ex- extremely precious and, and shaping for me because um, this was at the start of my journey of doing these types of um music and and all these other kinds of tours and events and when I would stay with them we would talk about it and reflect on it on a deeper level and they would kind of challenge me and and poke and question and so I found that in later years and she passed away uh, about um, about seven eight years ago and I found that you know in so many every situation when I'm when I have a doubt or when I have a concern you know does this have authenticity does this feel right I'll try to hear her voice, hear the instructions and, and, and principles that she shared with me. And, and um, I find that it's, it's stabilizing, it's grounding, and it can answer some questions that I would have. Wow. Yeah, it sounds um, like a, a significant, so she's a significant uh, inner role in your life, I suppose. Yeah, very much. I mean, I also have, my my spiritual master, my guru um, now, who plays an equally important part in my life, and the other gurus in my life, you know, my parents and so many other mentors and guides. Um, but I, I would say that for a time, specifically with her, when I would when I would lead kirtan, because I did I did have the experience of of leading the kirtan in her presence, so I knew that she was a very very sensitive and perceptive person. And I, I had the experience of feeling that when I would sing, that she would hear my heart almost, you know, you'd be able to hear, where are you at? <laughs> so I would then, when I no longer had the opportunity for that, I would imagine her to be sitting at the back of wherever I was doing something and and, and see that she's listening. And, and not just as an imagination, I, I, I believe that. I believe that uh, people don't die, that they... You know, they pass on to another realm, which is beyond our our perception, but that they're still very much present. And so I would feel that, okay, she's listening to me. She's seeing me. Mm-hmm. So let me try to do this as purely as I can. And and and, and whatever whatever is the, the shortfall, which there will be much, I, I, pray, I pray for guidance to you know, make up the rest and, and to, to refine, refine it further. That's um, uh, a powerful point. I I wanted to ask you about that. You know, it's easy to put a high standard on ourselves, but what would you like to say about how important it is to start nonetheless? Like even if we're not perfect or we're not pure or we're not, um, you know, we feel conflicted in our intentions, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes that stops us from beginning, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many mental blocks which stop us from doing something and I guess it's just it's it's just like anything. Like if on that first day that I opened my violin case and I drew the bow over the strings, if I immediately said, "Well, uh, this sounds terrible. I can't play. You know, I'm never going to do this. It would just be ridiculous." You'd say, "But you know, how do you, how how do you expect to play a piece of music when you don't yet know how to make a sound with one note that sounds smooth?" You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to start somewhere. Or like you know, if you come into a house that's one of the one of the, one of the fulfilling things I find as a as an artist who is often too much caught in my head, I do find like housework quite just calming because it's you therapeutic. Just, yeah, therapeutic. You're using your hands. Your mind can just switch off, or you can think about ideas. And yeah. so you know, you see there's this pile of dirty dishes, and it's like it looks immense, or 
kitchen that's just like looks like it just got bombed and you have to start somewhere you there's just no shortcut so i think it when you look at something as a continuum as a process it's so relieving because there's so much of temptation in 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 this world of social media to be to be an overnight success to have it all right now and I just don't think that that's for any anyone that's really cultivated something that has substance and depth. That's just not really real. It doesn't happen like that, mm-hmm. and and it's a very humbling thing to start somewhere and to acknowledge that okay, I'm just I'm just a student. I'm just a student, and I could be a student for the rest of my life. I am a student for the rest of my life, and I don't know. If, I don't know if I'll. I, I hope I don't ever feel that I've I've got it or I've. You know, now this is it. I, I, I'm pure, or you know, now I really know how to do it because that space of humility, of being a student, being a receiver of of grace, it it, it keeps your heart open, and and uh, in that state, I believe you can learn from every experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, this last point that I wanted to ask you about. So I um uh see you as very wholesome and very whole in and of yourself right i think you're you 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 feel very complete uh in um but have you felt uh which i think a lot of girls do over the years that you ought to or have you felt it within yourself i'm sure you've heard it from outside that oh you know what wh- are you going to have a partner and you know all that stuff so um yeah just tell me a little bit about that kind of thing uh, uh, you know in your life yeah um yeah certainly i mean i definitely don't think i think it's it's um it's something to be a little wary of if you just assume at least this has been my reflection in life that there's times in life where i could feel very empowered and um like yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine on my own, and this is this is very fulfilling. And I would say that creativity and and art have been extremely fulfilling for me. Um, and so there's times when I felt like partnership is not it's not it's not a huge priority. It's not that I not it's not that I'm not interested, but it's just mm-hmm. something else seems to bring greater fulfillment potentially. Um, but I but I think. Um, Oh, there, I mean, this is like, uh, we could talk an hour about this. It's a big topic. Um, I've had my own journey sort of grappling with that. And um, it's, yeah, it's hard to know which, what thing to talk about, you know, it's mm. without being more specific. But, um, do, you, do you think that, um, I think a lot of girls are brought up, and I, I suppose men as well, um, to kind of feel like, you know, you you do your gap year or you do your this and that you do your bit of you know traveling around with the with the music band or whatever it is you do but you haven't kind of really um back to your thing about proper kind of settled down until you've kind of connected and i suppose there's that sense of that you're not complete which we know is not true yeah um but it's still it does it but we're still there's still a powerful force internally and externally kind of pushing us or pulling us whichever way it is in, yeah. that, in that direction um and i just wondered like i say from the outside i i genuinely you you come across to me as very self-satisfied and, and in, a, in a really great place and really really great on your own you know as you are but i just wonder you know sometimes when you don't feel like that is it is it do you feel like it's a, a tension or is it something that oh yeah well I'm, 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 maybe I won't ever do it or maybe I will, or, you know, I'd say it's, it's been a tension for me for, yeah, since when you're a teenager and you think that that, that's what's meant to happen next Mm. in my life. Um, I don't think I've ever, I think there, that there's, there's many times when I'm fulfilled in the work that I do that I don't feel I'm not experiencing that tension. But I think on a level of society, um, I do feel that tension a lot. And not not only society, but within myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's just about societal expectations. I think there's a natural natural desire for experiencing love, affection, companionship, 
um, for sharing your life with another person, witnessing, being witness to each other's lives and, and, and uh, support and encouragement. All those things are needed. And of course, I've experienced um, having gone past the traditional period where people are were worried about you. Um, <laughs> I've experienced that all, my, all kinds of support and encouragement comes from other other directions and all kinds of fulfillment comes from other places. But I think that it's not, um, I don't think it's an artificial thing to, 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 to feel that, that need. And I do think that sometimes we can even fool ourselves that, oh, I don't, I don't really have that need um, when, you know, there's, there's, it's just like a lifestyle is not, is not so conducive to actually um, finding a, a partner and settling down. It's very, it's very difficult these days to, I mean, I have so many friends that are, are single and it's very difficult to meet somebody who is like-minded, who shares similar values and who has a similar vision for their life. And um, personally, I've always felt that, that, that the most important thing to me is to is to live live the life that's close to those to those values, and um, and uh, vision that are very important to me, and and I was always ready to sacrifice sort of convention for mm. for that. Um, but yeah, that's not without its angst. <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. I suppose has its pros hard. and cons, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard, and everything's hard. You know, life is is so much suffering is just, is brought about by the mind and and, and yeah. um, just trying to navigate expectations of others expectations of ourselves uh, expectations for our life so i empathize and sympathize with everybody that's you know both both in relationships out of relationships <laughs> <laughs> i guess i have experienced experienced both sides i haven't been married yet but i i hope to be and yeah yeah it's uh, it's, a, it's a it's a it's another aspect of life it's another chapter to come yeah it's interesting because um i think that there's a sort of a renunciation thing that sometimes people uh, who follow a serious spiritual path have and i know that when i was uh, in my 20s as a monk we definitely kind of experienced that and i yeah. think as you grow older it's kind of a process of without um, you realize that you almost can't really make progress from an honest place of where you're at until you do acknowledge your needs. Yes. Whatever they may be. Absolutely. Um, and so even though that might appear at first to be going backwards a little bit, actually it's, it's having a stronger footing to go forwards. I think. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And, uh, Again, it's back to this principle of, of of honesty and integrity, and I think for anyone who's particularly who's on a spiritual path, um, but even just in in whatever you may be trying to do in the world, uh, really, I'll speak for myself because that's that's who I'm called to speak for. For myself, uh, honesty and integrity is really important part of what I do. For me, I, I, like I hold myself to a high standard, so I, I, I do feel that 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 acknowledging my my needs, my desires, my challenges and frustrations, it's very important not to gloss over them or to. It's I mean it's very important for me to be seen as I am. Also, <laughs> you know, like when you say, "Oh, you you seem like so fulfilled and such a whole person," I would challenge that and say. I don't think that is how I feel um, a lot of the time. I feel that way when I when I do the things that are good for my my soul, but um, as a person, I, I I struggle like like everyone else with my my yeah. mind with my senses. Yeah, now that's um, it's a great to have that insight because I think that's true of. I mean, maybe you could just say uh, just 
as we finish up, yeah. having having been around a little bit, you know, some of these very famous people and so on and so forth. Because sometimes I think people think, yeah, like you or I may have some degree of success, but still we feel fragile on the inside sometimes. But th- surely they don't. But so, what has your experience been of of now being around, you know, people who we we think of as famous and mm-hmm. and how they are and maybe sh- them sharing stuff with you? I mean, I I. I- I wouldn't want to share anything. Not not personally, yeah, any particular person. Well, I, I wouldn't say I mix in that world um, very much, actually. Yeah. Um, I think recently I've I've been associated with people who are famous in the entertainment world, hmm. um, but in my life, through various other um, uh, sort of reasons and opportunities, I've associated with people who are uh, very successful in other ways too. You know, they may be billionaires or who are extremely um, successful entrepreneurs. And I, it's just a unanimous sort of observation that having things, having conveniences, having success, it just, it, it, it doesn't add up to happiness. I mean, it's so cliched. Everybody set, claims to know that, but uh, society doesn't really set us up to have faith in that. Um, and it's helped me to, to have those opportunities to engage with all different kinds of people to see that. I remember even watching, I, I think it was either an interview with George Harrison on his own, or it was the Beatles. I think it might've been George Harrison on his own. And I think it might've been in the mm. documentary that Martin Scorsese made, mm. but he, he was being interviewed on a TV show about, about what, what it's like to be really famous. And then what is, what is that? feel like and then where do you go from there and that some of the realizations he was sharing I just found so powerful it's you know they were arguably the most famous people in the world and um it, he just described how that just it doesn't doesn't make you happy you can still be so miserable on the inside it's it's mm-hmm. uh it's really an imperative to seek out that happiness which is um is not based on material circumstances or 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 possessions mm. or, even, or even relationships but that's that's a bit of a harder one actually <laughs> um the interesting thing is is that there's you could almost make an argument that the more successful or famous you are potentially the more lonely or removed you are because you you're in a way your life is less normal you know, you, you know, in sense of your, I goes, you know, you have a bigger house, you're further away from people, you've got higher walls, you know, you're, you're more and more and more removed yeah. from normal life, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think, I'm sure that different people deal, deal with it differently. I mean, I'm always interested to read interviews with people and yeah. some manage to keep a lot of normality in, in their life. And I, I, the thing that I've heard from so many well-known people or successful people is that it's it's just you know it's it's the people in their life their family it's the people that have known them before the before they were famous yeah. that keep them grounded that remind them who they are and you know I, I i wouldn't regard myself as a famous person but i'm certainly more well known than i was a decade ago or than when i was a child and i've it's a type of fame and i've experienced that increase and it does bring certain type of pressure or um you know it's a different kind of feeling, and I do feel very much sheltered by the by by friends, by family, and uh, mm. I, I'm very grateful for that. And even in my minute experience of of fame, I can appreciate how challenging it might be for someone that has it on an immense scale. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of those things, isn't it? That um, who is it who said it? Uh, I wish everybody would become rich and famous so they could realize they don't probably don't want it. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think we'd all like a bit of it, or we like to try it on for a few weeks. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's been so nice to chat to you. Um, thanks yeah. for your time. Thank you so much. Um, questions. We, I finish up with six. Um, I call them kind of like the big pillars of life, if you like, and. Uh, I'd invite you to just say a couple of sentences on each one, either ideally kind of wh- where you're at with it now, but maybe what's the evolution been for you around that thing mm-hmm. in your life. Mm-hmm. So the first one is um, family. 
family? Uh, well, I'm extremely blessed to have a very loving family, and um, in the last in the last two years, it's been a very new experience of my first um, sibling to have children themselves. So the experience of family and generations sort of now continuing. And that's kind of been quite mind-blowing for me. It's again, an, another clock ticking moment. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's exciting to see actually that the power and um, the power that family gives and, and also how one has the opportunity to continue creating a, a loving family environment. Yeah, and he's uh, he's a cute little guy, isn't he? You're, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he's another in September. So ah, that's wonderful. Yeah, um, friendship. Friendship. Hmm. Um, I feel so. I feel so fortunate to have traveled all over the world in the last decade and made so many friends. I would say, you know, people that I really have shared a, a meaningful experience with and and love and care about. But as I've as I've done so, I've realized that there's really no substitute for for sort of real time friendship with a very few people. And the more that I'm active on and have following on social media, the more that I um, the more that the, my sort of network grows. I just see that friendship is a very particular thing when you when you call it a friend and i'm i'm learning what it means to 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 have a friend to 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 serve a friend to be a friend i i think i'm learning so much in this decade of my life um that maybe was a little bit elusive in certain ways in in my my younger years so i'm grateful for that nice trying, trying to be a good friend to others as well yeah yeah no that's nice um love 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 <laughs> trying to trying to understand it <laughs> trying to learn to love that's all i can say trying to every day uh learn what it means to to love yes <laughs> yeah that's it's uh it's a big one but it's it's um it's interesting yeah it's a it's a it's a journey yeah. Um, yeah. Money. Money. Mm, interesting. I, I think um, I've, you know, as much as I, as much as I've been resistant in my life to the labels of artist or musician, I've also been. I wouldn't say resistant to the idea of success financially, but I've, I've sort of equated that. Um, authenticity or purity with spiritual with something spiritual means that there can also be some financial prosperity uh, or that the two things don't mix very well together mm. and although I wouldn't say that I've it's not that I would say um, things have dramatically changed for me in my life they really haven't but uh, in embarking on these concerts and things that that required a lot of investment of money um, which was facilitated by you know, supporters who wanted the, these things to manifest. Um, and that sort of respect for money and appreciation of what it actually can do. Uh, I think I'm, I'm learning to have a certain comfort with, um, with, yeah, with, with money itself and with understanding um, that it's needed and, and how it's needed and, and what it facilitates. So, yeah sort of more more of an internal dialogue yeah um health i am starting a juice cleanse today <laughs> very <laughs> I've good i've done that before i've never done that before um well as soon as you're in quarantine right you may as well do something right exactly like that. yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly um yeah i, I i'm you know i i did a um i did a teacher training and med med meditation teacher training um, through the lockdown. And that was incredible for me in terms of um, a real self-awareness with mental, my own mental health mm. uh, and then physical health as well. It makes you very tuned into the body. And over 
time, I'd say over the years, I'm just learning more and more how how much, you know, again, going back to the principle of music, what has music taught me to, to listen? When, when we're listening to the body, it's giving cues all the time, actually, as to our, our health or our, um, you know, our imbalance of health. And so I'm just trying to be better at listening to those cues and not just being on autopilot. So, yeah. Nice. Um, and the last one, uh, which I think you'll definitely uh, resonate with, is creativity and expression. Mm. Creativity and expression. Well, there's probably too much I could say on this topic. But <laughs> <clears throat> one thing that's sort of new for me that I'm exploring, um, and, and of course, you know, the, the, the lockdown has been... Uh, an incredibly challenging and perhaps even more stimulating time for many creative people, depending on their discipline. Um, and for me, it's it's sort of propelled me back into a more contemplative space rather than performing and leading concerts and things. And so to that space of writing and reflection and something that is still something I haven't done very much is though, although I've written for many years and written poetry for many years, writing songs and performing songs in English is still something that's quite a, um, it's just not, it's not my comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do write song, I write songs and I, I record voice notes on my phone. I've been doing that for at least, you know, eight to 10 years, but I've only ever released uh, one song in English. <laughs> so, so that's been, you know, those, those continue to kind of keep cropping up and flowing out. And, and um, part, part of that has also been, some of your listeners may know the book, The Artist's Way by yeah. Julia Cameron. And uh, I'd, I've read it, uh, I've read sections of it and done, sec done certain practices from it for many years. But um, I also recently embarked on actually you know, doing the whole thing. Uh, well, I didn't do the whole thing. I got stuck at week six, but um, I intend to finish it. And that that has also been immensely helpful for just letting um, whatever is inside flow and come out, which is, it's always a exciting journey. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of therapeutic in a way, isn't it, to yeah. express it? Yeah. yeah. So sounds like we may we may have some um, new material coming from you then. Sometimes like it's you know like the forgotten tapes or the archive tapes or something. You get all those voice notes together. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Well, I have been. I just recently I've also been in the studio re recording some. I was working on three new tracks, uh, which are more traditional in terms of mantra-based tracks and. Mm. Um, Traditional, but maybe you know not completely conventional mus musical arrangement, and so that's that's been lovely as well. And um, mm. I think you know the increase in sort of connection and act activity with many musicians has enabled me to have the opportunity to work with other producers and other musicians. And so, yeah, I'm mm. excited to finish those off and, and and share them with everyone as well. Definitely. Well, I hope uh, people who are listening will have um, appreciated and taken something from from all the various aspects, particularly if they're artistic and can relate to to um, your journey. Um, I'd love for them to check out your music too. So, where what's the best place for people to find you if they want to check out your stuff? Well, I guess a super easy way if you don't if you're not a subscriber to any streaming platforms is just YouTube. You can put my I've got a YouTube channel and there's lots on there. Um, otherwise, for Spotify or any other, um, um, you know, Google Play, you can just put in my name. I have an album called Like a River to the Sea. Mm. Um, but That's a beautiful there, song, yeah. There's also a lot of, um, yeah, there's a lot of singles and, and other projects, so. I urge people to please, please check Genevieve out. Um, I think you'll really, really love her music. Uh, of uh, This first series that I'm doing on the Evolving Door podcast, I've got 12 guests, four of them, and including one of them being you, has a kind of a connection to Krishna consciousness and to that sort of path that we've shared. Um, 
So I know um, I don't want to put you on the on the spot, and I probably won't join in and suddenly start singing with you. But <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to actually, but I probably I, I probably uh, better not. <laughs> um, but would you would you just um, uh, sing a couple of lines from something that we can leave listeners with, just to kind of finish off the the vibe for today? Sure. Do you want me to sing anything or or anything that anything that you like? And I I might even hum along a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Um, this is a verse. This is a verse from the uh, the very ancient Bhagavad Purana. Um, I recorded this verse as part of a song, and we recorded the song. It was a, it was at the time I believe. It, I'm trying to remember. I think I think our beloved Donald Trump had just uh, come into office. <laughs> there was all the turmoil of going on around that. There was the Brexit situation and just generally everything felt there was such an upheaval and so this prayer um, is a prayer for that may there be peace and good fortune for everyone mm -hmm. uh, may 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 um, those who are experiencing anger or en enmity may that become pacified in their hearts and may we all truly um, recognize that we are brothers and sisters um, children of of the divine and that we can actually experience harmony when we recognize that and, and work together, serve together. Mm. So um, that's the meaning of this this prayer. So I'll just share that. I think this is no, this is a good a good a time as any that we need peace and blessing. For sure, for sure. Manascha badram bajata dadokshaje aveshatam no matirapya haituki hario 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 beautiful yeah that's the wonderful thing about uh kirtan and um especially in the way that you uh, present and explain it is that you don't need to be feel like you're a religious person or anything like that to really appreciate that sentiment and that um intention and that vibration it's 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 a it's a wonderfully um uplifting um idea that I think is much needed in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever your belief, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you, can always connect, you can always connect with it, whether you believe in it or not, you, you can experience, you know, you, you don't have to believe in the ideology of a, of a singer to just hear their music and experience it. So, yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, Vajanavi. Thank you. Been a Wish real pleasure. For this wonderful new podcast. Thank you so much, and uh, and to you for the. I'm, I'll be watching out for the next album. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was fantastic. I hope there was so much that you uh, were able to take away from that that you could relate to. Hopefully, you feel uh, inspired by some of the insights and the breakthroughs that Genevieve has had along her life. I know it's certainly uh, really interesting for me when we were chatting. I felt very inspired as a result. Uh, as always, please make sure to download, subscribe, rate and review the podcast and share with a friend. Uh, really very much appreciative of that. Next week, uh, I have a really interesting guest, a guy called Jolyon Rubenstein. He's an activist, an actor, comedian, BAFTA award winning. Um, he's absolutely brilliant. Him and his uh, partner in crime, Hayden Prowse, they did a series uh, called The Revolution Will Be Televised. It was so hard-hitting, real political satire, really, really funny. Uh, if you haven't checked it out or seen it before, make sure you do. And make sure you join me for the interview uh, next week. I can't wait to see you there. In the meantime, have a really, really great week. <laughs>